Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public service professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by retired professor Phil Beverly, Democrat Dan Johnson, Republican Chris Veronis, and in our second hour, Nigel Rabb, Russian history professor from Loyola Marymount University, and he will bring us up to date on everything that's transpired in Russia this past week. That will be the focus in our second hour this evening. But again, nice to have you with us. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at AM560 WIND Radio. That's Salem Radio in the city of Chicago, just outside Chicago. And phone lines open at 1-800-723-8289. A deep dive into Russia and the problems that they've had there this past week in hour number two. But I want to talk about other related political matters. We have a, a card-carrying Republican, a Democrat, and we have a college professor, and I'll let you fill in the blanks on the retired college professor. We'll find out where he comes down politically. I might be able to guess, but you never know, which is one <laughs> of the reasons why I like to have Phil Beverly on the program, because he's not a uh, he's not a knee-jerk reaction when it comes to, uh, to political matters. But I want to begin with... Um, uh, the issue of um, Hunter Biden, I want to ask our card-carrying Republican, Chris Veronis, is exploring the Hunter Biden issue a winning issue for Republicans, in your view? <clears throat> um, Republicans need to find the narrow real estate between um, doing nothing and going too far. Um, there's a bad precedent during the Clinton years where Republicans went too far and weren't able to capitalize on the Clinton corruption and years later we knew uh, was there all along. Um, this is, um, there's a lot there. Um, it's pretty clear that uh, Hunter Biden is a scumbag. Um, it's, there, there's, uh, the, if these revelations are true, they're shocking. Um, and I, I, the White House, understandably, is saying very little to nothing. Of course, they don't want to put Joe Biden out there. Um, uh, I mean, beyond him just saying, I love my son, <laughs> like putting like a full stop yeah. period at the end of it. Right. Um, but these raise significant questions because, um, the whistleblowers, two IRS officials said that higher ups in the IRS tipped off Joe Biden, um, Hunter Biden, uh, that investigation was coming, which allowed him to clear out a storage locker, mm -hmm. and we don't know what's in there. Right, Dan Johnson is a Democrat. Um, is this an issue the president can avoid uh, through Election Day? From my perspective, yeah, it all seems a little pathetic. <laughs> Republicans like desperately trying to forget about the rampant corruption of the Trump family crime boss putting their kid in, getting yeah. billions of dollars from the House of Saud. Yeah. yeah, Hunter Biden's all messed up. The guy's got addiction problems. He took a plea, pled guilty to what, having a gun and tax, you know, some tax issue. Yeah. But from the Democratic perspective, it's like, man, you guys just wish we had a corrupt White House, and we just don't. What about the bigger issue involving uh, <clears throat> some FBI whistleblowers and, and others who were basically saying that this really is small potatoes, the misdemeanor uh, and the gun charge. But when you look at the bigger issues of uh, bribery that are out there, certainly being discussed, if not investigated, 
That's a big deal. That is a bombshell, I think. You don't? No. It all seems made up and manufactured. Just whip up nonsense to try to make a clean administration seem bad because the president's got a messed up kid. Let's ask uh, Phil Beverly. Phil, you are an objective professor. You have been critical of uh, all Democratic administrations in the past. Uh, how do you view the significance of the Hunter Biden issue? Uh, you're going to turn your mic on, Phil. We're not getting any uh, sound. so I, take I wish I was in the classroom uh, because I think I would tell my students there's no there there. Um, there are how many people don't pay their taxes and the IRS catches up with them and makes them pay interest and penalties and whatever. How many people get caught on gun charges? Now, let's just say in the city of Chicago, how many guns were recovered by the police this weekend? Let's just say this weekend. Um, it, there's just no there there. When we have other pretty significant issues facing the country, this is what you want to expend time on to cover up the twice impeached, twice indicted former president? Chris Veronis is a little bit different. Chris? I, I have to wonder um, this um, interesting selectivity about um, there's no, no there there. When we spent an entire year with Russiagate to find out that there was no there there, I didn't, I didn't hear anyone on the other side of the aisle talking about restraint. Let's just you know, wait and see. Let's take a deep breath before we dive in and waste an entire year on Russiagate. Well, we were all and waiting great. for Adam Schiff to give us the uh, evidence. Right, and, and so, Bruce, I knew we were going to talk about this. Wait, so, well, hold on. On and, Russiagate, and, and, <clears throat> didn't the guy that just flipped on Putin, wasn't he indicted for running a troll farm to try to get people to vote for Trump in 2016? Like, the, there's no there there. There were, like, the, the there hundreds of millions of rubles. Is that... Uh, Trump was a Russian agent, a cutout. That's that, that that's what it was. And then it was all based on the Steele dossier, which turned out to be completely false. It was ridiculous. It was a wasted year. And um, Bruce, I, I want to talk about what Hunter Biden said himself in a text, an encrypted text to this client. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here with my father and we, we, would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that if uh, he'd like to resolve, I'd like to resolve this right now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get on a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. So this is clearly a his scumbag. His father being Joe Biden, just to clarify, let everybody follow yeah, along. Who's here. trading on his okay, father's okay, name. So, and, so we've and, already and, and, and so let, Let's let Phil, Phil get in there, Phil. I'm, we've established that Hunter is an addict, has a drug problem, and if you are know anything about addict behavior, might that text have been part of that behavior and mm. maybe taken out of context? Now, if it was me, We're not, I, I'm not an but nobody, but Phil, nobody, nobody here <laughs> talked about a drug problem. Yeah, but Phil, the other thing is, is we know that Hunter was at the family residence when he sent this text, and it's likely 
that Joe Biden was there too, although we don't know for sure. He 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 could he could clear this up by releasing the records. That I mean, that could settle this. He could also disavow himself and say that his son was a liar. Um, I don't I don't think they want this going into an election year. Uh, why would they? Because this just seems to stink. And uh, otherwise, if Trump were in office and he did this, there would be a special counsel appointed. No question about it. As there should be. As there should be. 1-800-723-8289. How do you feel about the charges against Hunter Biden? Whether or not there should be a further investigation of Hunter Biden? Or are you sick and tired of hearing about Hunter Biden? Give us a call. 1-800-723-8289. I'm Bruce Dumont. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. The kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Thank you very much for joining us. Phil Beverly, I want to go back to you because I'm, uh, you seem to be very dismissive of uh, the, the, the charges of the gun possession and the misdemeanor involving the tax cases, saying that, uh, you know, other people do it and this was just a, a search to find something. But what about the bigger, broader issue that uh, Chris Veronis is talking about? And that is significant evidence... Uh, and the president hasn't uh, done any maya culpa on it, but the significant circumstantial evidence that's out there, going back to when he was vice president of the United States, he was in a position to do big favors for uh, Ukraine, and he did some big favors for Ukraine, and his son ended up with a highly paid, cushy job at Burisma. Now, again, if, if these were all Republicans and not Democrats, wouldn't you be outraged at the appearance of impropriety? If they were Republicans, I, I'm about as outraged at Hunter Biden as I am at Jared Kushner getting $2 billion from the House of South. Uh, okay, that's just what happened, and that's how politics is, I guess. That's, that's like, a, we, but that's like you know, a 500x difference between the kid of the president working in the White House and collecting $2 billion is a lot different than what's the allegation that he made $300,000 a year or something? Well, how did he collect $2 billion when he was in the White House? Uh, no, he built those relationships like, and then the next <clears throat> year got the check from the dictatorship a, a two, a for $2 billion. billion. Check. Yeah, I think it's there's just, a just, significant difference between yeah. what I'm, Kushner I'm, I'm, I'm dubious done. about your recollection of the events with like a $2 billion check for yeah. just for being in the White House. Oh. I, I, I'd, I'd like I, you to I, explain it. Well, let's see. Jared Kushner now has $2 billion from Saudi Arabia, right? True? We all on the same page I, on I, that I one? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't well, know. Yeah. yeah, he does. And worked in the White House. How do you know that? Yeah. It's widely reported. By whom? Well, Rachel Maddow. Tell you what. Give me five minutes. I'll go check Dr. Google, and I'll be right back okay, with you. You can check Dr. Yeah. Google. I will. Tell us later on. Yeah. All right. What I'm just saying is that, you know, certain things are, are widely reported. We, we have had, we've had Democrats on here uh, in the last several weeks, Dan. Uh, they didn't know anything about the New York Post story about Hunter Biden. They didn't know anything about the, how the, uh, the, the major internet uh, providers overlooked it. They didn't know anything about the FBI trying to kill those stories. They don't know anything about the, uh, the 51 former uh, intelligence officers who signed a letter saying that all this information was likely Russian propaganda. They had never heard of this story. I mean important people, Democrats from the North Shore, very smart, very well-bred. But you know what? When I asked them about it, they never heard that story. They never heard the story. Well, I'm a Twitter guy. Have you heard guy. of the story? I have. I read and all about your, I saw some of the Twitter what, files. What's, what's your reaction to it? Uh, I do think that we were under a Russian ruble assault in 2016. Okay. I think that is unequivocally true. By who? Said, said who? But well, that's where the NRA got all their money. That's why well, there well, was something why, like 50 why is it that no, so, no official investigation came to that same conclusion? 
you're continuing the Russian the of Russian Russia gate here. But how many indictments do you need until you acknowledge that? Well, you need a significant one. Well, there's a lot of them. There's like 50 people that have been indicted and convicted for conspiring, conspiring to commit essentially election fraud uh, with using foreign money. I don't think that's right. Well, but I but guess again, over the again, break, you, but, 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 but have you heard the story? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting back yeah. to the core story. Yeah. The oldest newspaper in the United States comes up with information about Joe Biden's son and the laptop, and no major media covers it except Fox News, and, and it and it and it becomes that's a that was a real story, and and literally they decided the the, the media of America decided we're not going to cover this story, it doesn't warrant our coverage. And a couple of years later, we learned that story was true, and the news media conspired with government agents in killing this story and not letting uh, Twitter and Facebook and any other entity uh, cover this story. Well, I, I, I mean, I can't believe that, that, that it, I can't believe that liberals are not outraged at at the holding of that information uh, from the American people. And, yeah, well, I I'll, remember I'll, that was a big reason why Elon bought Twitter, right? Uh, Oh, that's one of the main that, reasons he wanted to buy it. Because year, that's four years. Oh, well, later. that's that's what he cited. He said that wasn't right. Well, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't right. And but, I, but I'm 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 what I'm concerned about, and I want to go to Phil Beverly. Yeah. Because Phil, I think you're a man of integrity, and, and I just I want to know how you feel about that issue. Did you know about that story? Uh. It passes like most other stories until it has some resonance, I guess. I, I didn't consider it much at the time. I mean, the, it, to get back to, to Chris's point about not knowing this, about the $2 billion, a point of the New York Times, Vanity Fair, NBC News, Bloomberg, Business Insider, MSNBC News, Market Watch, Newsweek, Reuters, Rolling Stone, PBS, Washington Post, um, Mother Jones, if you want to go that far, the Hill, it's been reported on. So, okay, I, I think we spend as much time as we spend on the things that are important to us. I guess for that that story that you're Phil, talking about, Bruce, Phil, it did, just wasn't did, that. Did the did this two billion dollar Jared Kushner story involve a whistleblower in a federal agency? Two whistleblowers. That seems. That seems pretty telling to me. Uh, that seems like it might want to trigger some kind of further investigation, maybe an independent best investigation, maybe that the Justice Department should step up and look into this. Um, I'm not seeing so that right has now. It, hasn't and this been going on for five years, though? This hasn't is the investigation story. been going on for the, five years? The IRS whistleblower story is as of Friday. And, Bruce, I want to get back to something you said about Democrats should be outraged. And I mean, I mean, everybody should be. I well, think. I mean, look, when um, this whole Russia thing happened, I was one of those people said, yeah, we should look into Trump. I don't know. It seems like sure. a pretty sleazy guy. I was one of those people. OK. And this story, all it does is it validates Trump's narrative about a two tiered ju justice system when this guy could implode on his own as he is doing right now. Um, with, with this indictment, the most recent indictment, 
And now you have this story where the Bidens are getting off, um, validating his own message, propping him up. And I don't like that. And if anyone really wants to get Trump out of the way for good, um, we should be concerned about that. Uh, we, we, we should care about applying the rule of law equally and when it's called for, like right now. Dan? I think they have been. I think the guy probably has faced rougher prosecutorial treatment than anybody else in his shoes who isn't the president's adult son. Do you think the I Justice think most Department... People you, that you, think, get, you think they should appoint a special counsel? I don't know why. I, I have every... I mean, look, whistleblowers need to be protected, no matter what. Somebody wants to raise an allegation, they should, and they should keep their job. That doesn't mean they're all telling the truth. That doesn't mean every whistleblower is an honest person. Yeah, well... Do you, I, believe, do you believe that Hillary Clinton was treated fairly by the Justice Department? Uh, I do think that's a horse of a different color, right? Why? I think, yeah. I, you Why? know, like, it's not the president, right? It was Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, and there were all the allegations about influence peddling and the Clinton Foundation and their view that they're doing good with money that's perceived to be dirty. And I think that's a lot different than the president's son what about the secretary not paying his taxes and having about, a gun? What about the Secretary of State of the United States yeah. having a private email server and after she was subpoenaed yeah. after she was subpoenaed, she destroyed evidence by destroying her phone and destroying her, her computer. And the FBI was in on it. Hillary's lawyers and the FBI. What do you think of that? I, yeah. I think ten it times was... worse than what Trump did. Ten times worse. Calm. And, and, uh, and Colby, the guy's got pass. boxes. No, come on, Dan. Come on, Dan, boxes of top secret documents. Come on, wait a minute, Dan. Yeah, what, what what would happen to you if you were subpoenaed, and then after you were subpoenaed, you destroyed evidence that you had in your house? What would happen? You would go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> no right. doubt about it. Right. Yeah, I am under the impression, and I must admit, I don't spend as much time as my friends in the right wing. Parsing out every detail of all the do investigations. You spend, the you would go to jail. Do you spend any time? Yeah. Do you spend any time looking into anything that that raises the question of integrity for a Democrat? Period. Sure. Who? Hey, Democrats. When Who? when people get indicted on our side, you know we impeach them. We get rid of Who? corrupt officials. We had a governor. You know, nice guy, but got indicted. Justice Impeached, Department convicted, gone. Unfortunately, Republicans don't seem to have the same attitude towards indicted former presidents. He should be gone. He should not be a nominee. He should not be a candidate. He should be gone. Democrats, well, clean house. Phil, when we come back, I want to get you to weigh in on this as well. We also have phone callers. 1-800-723-8029. From coast to coast and border to border, I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? 
No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, you can do it if you try. Schumann back on Beyond the Beltway. We'll take a moment and let everybody introduce themselves, give us a little 20-second background on who they are and uh, what they're up to. And we're going to begin with Phil Beverly, who joins us uh, via Zoom tonight. Phil, give us a little background. Turn your microphone on. Turn your microphone on. There you go. It okay. Is, it's radio. I'm a retired, so to... <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> retired college professor um, working for the city of Chicago now. Um, just to keep my brain active, uh, still teach at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and still addicted to politics. What do you do for Chicago, the city of Chicago? I'm a uh, senior performance analyst. Senior performance. What kind of performance are you looking? Are you looking at? Uh, we're looking at the consent decree that the CPD operates under. Okay, very good. 
Chris Veronis, tell us about yourself. Uh, I'm Chris Veronis. I'm principal of ESOP Communications Group. It's a public relations communications consulting shop. And uh, I've been a lifelong communications professional um, and um, been on this show for a, a very long run, as we were talking about. Over 20 uh, off, years. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm Dan yeah. Johnson, father of four, friend of Bruce DeMont, most importantly. <laughs> yes. Work as a state lobbyist, so I like to run around legislators and our state capital of Springfield, Illinois, when they're in session. Do you remember when we first met and who you were supporting for president? Back then, I was a... Tear down the castle, Ralph Nader supporter, right. 2000. I joined the establishment in 2003. I remember I was working with a state rep. He's like, uh, hey, you with Ralph Nader? I'm like, yeah, you know, I was. I, he was good. He's like, and I was like, huh, maybe I should just be the, be, join the Democrats. Why not? Then you, were, then you were for Bernie Sanders. Yes, I was a delegate. New delegate. Went to Philadelphia. Are you going to be a delegate again? Uh, if they'd have me, it'd would be you awesome. be a delegate for Joe Biden? I'd love to be a delegate for Joe Biden. I Why? would love it. Oh, I think he's hit a home run. He's been a phenomenal president. I would, I would love to be a delegate. In what way? I, but oh, uh, well, here's the issue: is uh, to be a delegate, uh, I help put the slate together. The Democratic Party rules for delegate selection are fascinating, mm -hmm. uh, but a uh, hard quotas, uh, racial, ethnic. LGBTQ, youth, military, everything. And, you know, I'm an older white guy that's straight. Oh. So, oh. and there's a lot of older white guys in Democratic know, politics. Not many, but most of them are in the Republican Party. <laughs> right? Well, you know, we, we're still running things. So I don't think there's going to be a seat at the table for me, but I would love to be a Joe Biden delegate. But why, why is, you don't surprise me that you're for Joe Biden because you've become more of an establishment guy yeah. in the last 10 years, as opposed to the young Turk when I first right. met you many years ago. True. But um, well, his, do, I mean, you not, do, do you not give any serious thought to Robert Kennedy Jr.? Not a bit. Not a bit. I Phil, look, do I, you? I, Phil, do you? <clears throat> Does Robert Kennedy no. Jr. have uh, any uh, important role to play here? No, not at all. Nothing. And, and playing, on, playing on the family name thinks it'll get him some recognition. No. And, and can I tell you why, Bruce? Yeah, uh, like, can I hazard to guess? Because the walls inside of their heads bleed when they hear the words um, RFK Jr. Because uh, um, uh, a Democrat who's challenging a sitting president pulling 20%, 20% in the polls is scary. There's no fear. It's scary. He will not get 15% in when, any when, state. When I'll put Pat money Buchanan, on it right now. He when, won't get 15%. When Pat Buchanan took 30% away from George H.W. Bush, George H.W. Bush didn't get reelected in 1992. What is the, uh, what's, what's the bet, what's the bet now? Uh, so in order to get a delegate, you need to get 15% of the vote in any congressional district right. or state. That's the rule. If you don't get 15%, you don't get any delegates. All right. I will bet $1,000. I'm putting it on. Okay. $1,000. In any state. In any state, if, any congressional if, district, not a one of them. Dan, if you up, it, it, I will, up the $2 billion, dollars, I'll take it. <laughs> not New, New Hampshire, Hampshire, not Idaho, not, not Iowa. Wherever the anti-vaxxers most congregate, none of them. And I will, I will donate it to Beyond have the you, Beltway. Have you ever, have, have you, we're going to say cause a moment, have you ever taken the time to listen to, 
to Robert Kennedy Jr. in the last six months on any television program that he's been on? No. Okay. Can you do I'll it? I'll be honest. No. Okay, I, I'm too busy. Honest. I mean, I'm too busy impressed at Joe Biden's yeah. exceptional skills. Can you do an impersonation of RFK Jr.? I can't. I don't listen to the guy. You got, I mean, our president's hitting home runs. Home run after home run. So it's, and it's not. You're not worried about his age. I am. He's a little old. He, he's, yeah. he's decomposing before our eyes. That's not nice. You know what? That's, somebody said that's ageist. And it kind of is. I'll take it. Oh, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's ageist. Let's go to calls. We've got people standing by. Let's go to John. He's on line two, and he joins us from McHenry, Illinois. Go ahead, John. Hi. Uh, just uh, hearing that the guy says uh, Biden's hitting home runs, what do you call Julie Sue's labor secretary nomination about to uh, strike out or a foul ball or, or something like that? Come on, Manchin. Get on the team, Manchin. Give Julie Sue a shot. It's not a joke. But anyway, I want to talk about the Adam Schiff censures vote yes. that took place in the House. Um, actually, over the last two weeks, particularly the first one that was actually tabled when 20 Republicans uh, jumped over. I'm curious what all of y'all think, if anything, about that. I mean, we saw something happen with Thomas Massey again going against the grain and being the staunch constitutionalist. There was one write-up in a stable media broadcast. I'm sorry, a stable media publication saying, in no reality is Thomas Massey a rhino, and some certainly... But some of the Trump supporters took it that way, going to 2024. And obviously some of the others that helped them, you know, Kevin Kiley, California, Chavez de Rimer of Oregon. It was a pretty broad 20. And what do all of y'all think of that? Will the shift censure at like the Heiden, well, like the Hunter Biden laptop? No. Let me let me weigh in on that, and other guests can respond. I think the, the censure of uh, Adam Schiff was, I think, a good idea. If I was in the House, I would have voted for it. Uh, a lot of conservative Republicans certainly love the idea uh, that he had to go into the well and be uh, dressed down by the speaker. But uh, the point is, and I think uh, any political observer would say, he's in a three-way primary yeah. to be the United States Senator Democratic nominee next year. And uh, he's going to win. No, he I won't. Mean, yeah. You don't well, think he'll win? Barbara uh, Lee's going to win. Okay. Um, I say Adam Schiff a will win. Well, Adam, you Adam wanna, Schiff. are we going to bet a dinner? Two billion dollars. Okay. Adam Schiff. Blanket primary. Adam Schiff um, went on television, national television, and said he had classified information, and he lied. He lied. Didn't he just get indicted about and, that? And and, and the <laughs> censure is a consequence of him lying, as a member of Congress. You know, so he, he walks away with that, and unfortunately, and I think he said this himself. It's a badge of honor. So he's going to market the fact that a Republican House of Representatives censured him. And uh, he's going to try and ride that to a win. He, he, he might win. He won't. Uh, Barbara Lee's going to win. Well, who does Nancy Pelosi support? It doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't? No, it doesn't. <laughs> She's phenomenal. I, she was a phenomenal speaker. Who does Gavin Newsom support? Uh, Barbara Lee is my bet. Mm-hmm. So d does it bother you uh, the way Chris is to find uh, Adam Schiff? Does it bother you that a member of Congress really did lie over and over and over again and was the chief proponent of the Russiagate conspiracy theory, which has turned out to be false? Yeah. But yeah. he kept saying, I, yeah. I have evidence. He kept yeah. saying, I have evidence. How, did that, how does that make you feel now that he didn't have evidence? I don't, here, I don't understand how 
most Republicans have landed on no big deal about Russia's involvement in the 16 election when it was obvious. The amount of rubles that flowed through the NRA it to influence our elections. It wasn't as it wasn't as obvious as Hillary Clinton and the Clinton campaign's involvement in creating the dossier, yeah. paying for the dossier, and coming up with with a way to 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 use that dossier to destroy the public career of, of Donald Trump. Were you not upset by that? I, that was not yeah. true. The dossier was not true, Dan. Do you acknowledge that? I, I tell you, the whole dossier thing, it never caught my interest. It never did. To me, it was so glaringly obvious in 16. In what way? That in that, that it was false. The Republican platform took out their, we're defending Ukraine. That was the one change Trump wanted. And he got it in the Republican platform. I mean, that's a fact. I, I, this is not like just a call spin. A spade a spade. It's not a spin. Just it's just it. a fact. There were You've got nothing to lose. 50 indictments of people, Russians, running troll farms, Bruce. actively trying to get people elected. So Bruce, the dossier Bruce, stuff. I, 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 I'll just say, Chris, Chris. I don't want Donald Trump to be nominated right. or to win another term. I don't. But the more and more there's sentiment like Dan out there, which denies cold, hard reality, the facts that we all know. It, the more it emboldens him, the more it props him up. And this is a classic does it example. Give you, does it give you, does it give you personally, does it give you an opportunity to, to, to get think twice about it? And then I'm going to go to Phil. Well, yeah, um, I didn't vote for Trump, didn't support him, but I'm disgusted by Trump derangement syndrome and the overreaction to Trump. Okay. Because Trump, it, there's he's got the, definitely the worst impulses are in Trump. And he brings out the worst in his opponents. Phil Beverly, your thoughts. Okay, so maybe I started living in some alternate reality, but there was um, Russian involvement in the 2016 election. Right. That's just fact. That's, right. that's fact. Whether it oh, had an oh, no, impact on the outcome of the so election much. is... Okay, so what then? We've got to pause. I don't want to hear anything from you when it goes so what the other way. Phil, we've got to pause, and when we come back, I will admit there was involvement by Russia in the 2016. And Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. The kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. 
Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. I mean, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay? isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce went back, and it's nice to have you with us. And by the way, Jimmy just mentioned that tonight is the 43rd anniversary of this program. It was uh, on the last Thursday of 1980 that this program began as a local show in Chicago. And here we are, 43 years later. That's over 2,500 broadcasts. We're still doing this show. Obviously, we'll take a 15, 20 out for when I was away on my health hiatus a couple of months ago. But again, it's a lot of broadcasts. We've had a lot of people on, the people that are here tonight, uh, including Phil Beverly. They've all been on this program for uh, over 20 years. Happy anniversary. And uh, happy anniversary. It's nice to have you back because uh, I've seen you grow up. Yeah. You're still as crazy as ever politically, <laughs> but uh, you have got some gray in your hair and you've got, you came here as a single man and now you've got four children. That's right. right. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Let's go back. Phil, You, uh, I had to interrupt you when we went to the break and I want to go back to you so you uh, feel comfortable about your getting your th- thoughts in tonight. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my, my point is, Bruce, that there was Russian interference. And did that Russian interference lead to the election of Donald Trump? Those are two separate questions that I, I, I find it hard to, to understand that re- Republicans won't separate as two separate questions. I don't believe that the Russian interference was actually intended necessarily to get Donald Trump elected. If it did, it's a bonus. If it didn't, it serves its, its what I considered its primary purpose, which is to bring doubt around our election system and begin to sort of chip away at the fabric of our democracy. Fast forward to January 6th, 
and here we are. Um, I, was it also was it also about uh, destroying the, the 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 personal credibility of Donald Trump? I mean, the smear campaign, the campaign. I mean, I'm talking about the prostitutes and the urination in a Moscow hotel, which which late night comics made fun of for over two and a half years. And there's a lot of people in the America in America that still believe that story. There's no truth to that story. It was made up, totally made up. It destroyed the reputation in the minds of some people about Donald Trump. Hold, hold on. And they didn't they didn't stop once he got elected. Wait a minute. And, wait, wait. You're telling me that Donald Trump's reputation for not being an honest person come on, who is Dan. faithful to his wife Dan, was come destroyed on, come on. by that story it, that he... When you, that he like, but he's admitted that's what the hush yeah. money was for. Look, when Prostitution you, look, is it's, part it's, of his day-to-day. It's, it's a great, wait, wait, a great ahead, shell Dan. game you're playing here, Dan, like at, d- dodging the question that, that, that Bruce is raising. Look, th- this whole thing about Russian interference... Russian interference has been happening since 1917 when Russia yes. went communist. Okay, the the Soviets had a member of Congress in New York, in the House of Representatives. Henry Wallace had communist ties. A vice president. I ran for president. This has been happening for a long, long time. I'd like a Democrat to tell me how this Russian interfu- did this Russian um, influence magically change the votes of 33,000 Obama voters from 2012 to to 2016. Um, Could it be that they were upset about the financial meltdown, that people from um, Wall Street didn't go to jail, but they lost their homes, or that their sons were in uh, forever wars, or that they're coming home uh, to opioids awash in their communities. So the and and you so get a guy campaigns who comes, are meaningless. Is basically your point. Well, and, and you get a guy who campaigns comes are up, meaningless. You get a guy who comes up, thirty years of celebrity, and says, "I want to burn it down," and all of a sudden he's speaking words to their thoughts. I, I mean, like you tell me which has more weight. Well, the NRA says they were 000. the key to Trump's victory, and they got thirty million dollars that year. They were at the apex of their political power. Yeah. And there's I, indictments I of think, plenty of I think, Russian operatives I think that's the putting that you money. Tell yourself. It's just it's a factual yeah, story. And no, basically, Chris, what you just said is campaigns are meaningless. Did the is Russian, what you just uh, said. Speaking no, of speaking I, of campaigns, let me ask the Democratic political strategist a question. Thank you. Did Moscow tell Hillary Clinton don't campaign in Wisconsin? Of course not. Who made that decision? Hillary Clinton's and whatever decision. Look, I was not a fan of the Clinton campaign sort of, you know, which is an unfair way to characterize it, but the abandonment of the traditional blue wall and the stretch out to the, you know, purplish states. No doubt. That's fair. That's all true. But it is also true that Russia actively... With millions of dollars, rubles, I should say. I, again, so what? Well, if this you has th- always been happening. No, it has. This, 2016 this was a peak of it. So were that's you, why the whole Russia well, thing is a fact. Were they involved in both sides, uh, Phil? As you look at it, I mean, if everything that Dan Johnson is said this evening is true in his mind, I mean, doesn't that also you, you've got to factor in the the uh, the points that I made about uh, the phony. Uh, dossier and where the dossier came from and how the dossier became so important 
I, I think that the, the thing that's different from the 2016 election than from even 2012, surprisingly, in, in my mind, is the, is the ubiquity of social media and the, the percentage increase of people who primarily got their news from social media, from Twitter, from Facebook, from Instagram or whatever. And that from the traditional sources that are a bit harder to co-opt, it was easy to flood the market and they flooded the market. Um, yeah, I, the I, I'm sorry, Phil. That's bogus. Like, like Twitter, Twitter is the playground of arrogant elites. Like 12% of the populations on Twitter. Like Elon Musk. Please, like your please, friend Elon Musk. Uh, arrogant elites. You're right. You're exactly right. Yeah, he is an elite. Twitter, I agree. Twitter, Twitter is emblematic of, yeah. of arrogant elites. The, like a guy who yeah, grew but, up in a part of South but, Africa. The people are on Twitter. Okay, well, the we people got are too on Twitter. Too much Come on, man. Don't, don't, don't do that. Too much talking at the same time. Phil, we are out of time. Thank you very much for joining us in our first hour of our broadcast. Uh, Dan Johnson and uh, Christopher Ronas will continue in hour number two. We will be joined by uh, Nigel Rabb from uh, Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, and he is an expert on Russian history, and we're going to be talking about just the last week in Russia. There's a lot of history being written as we speak. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Oh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening. 
and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it, not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 1-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Dumont back on hour number two of Beyond the Beltway. Thank you very much for joining us. Chris Veronis and Dan Johnson uh, join me in studio here in Elk Grove Village. And uh, joining us from his home in Los Angeles, we welcome uh, Nigel Rabb. He is a longtime professor of uh, history, specifically Russian history, and he joins us. He's been a guest on this program for many, many times, many, many years now, Nigel. Nice to have you uh, back with us whenever there's big, big, big news. We'd like to have you back on, and last week was uh, a week for, uh, for, for Russia watchers, so you must have been sitting there with a the popcorn and <laughs> watching mm. the show. Give, give me your assessment of what happened uh, this past week. And most importantly, what do you think will happen in the next week? Oh, so, so in the last week, I mean, basically, these were just tensions that had been brewing for months between the the private mercenary, the Wagner Group, or the Wagner Group, and the military officials in Moscow, the you know the, the regular Russian army, and it just came to a head on Friday and Saturday. But I mean, the way it came to a head was completely unexpected. I mean, I know. There might have been like advanced information, but in terms of publicly or even even how to resolve this, I mean that that's shocking what happened, especially because if if Putin had a little bit more control, you think he could have sat down with Prigozhin, you know, in the months leading up to this and mm -hmm. just sort of ironed things out or something like that. But obviously, there's no one position in there that actually says, "Okay, now listen to me." So there's all these all these different. Uh, different things in the weeks ahead or the week ahead. I mean, that's another thing which is really difficult because the major military officials have not really, you know, gone on the air or said anything. Putin has basically disappeared and made no public. I mean, he made, he certainly made a public announcement in which he called Prigozhin a traitor, but that was essentially retracted after that. So in the week ahead, I mean, I'm actually not expecting big things and for a number of reasons. So, I mean, I, I don't even think Shoigu is going to be dismissed, who, which is one of the demands that Prigozhin was making. Are there, um, are there things that Prigozhin uh, wants? Are there, does he have allies in the Russian military? In other words, is, is, is well, there a group of people that we don't know about that maybe are supportive of, of Prigozhin, but they are still basically on the, on the staff of Vladimir Putin? Yeah, I think the answer is yes. And I think there was the, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's, it, it's even hard to speak about. It was so crazy what happened that they took over sort of the military facility in Rostov on the Don, which is, this is a big city. This is a very big city. It's the largest Russian city close to, close to Ukraine. 
And there's, you know, footage of him sitting down there chatting with the military, uh, military and Secret Service uh, mm-hmm. uh, highest ranking officials there. Being well received. And, 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 they're, and be well received. They're not like yelling at him. You know, this is a friendly conversation. And so it just gives the impression that, but I think everybody knew this. I think everybody knew this, that there's disunity in the in the military in the highest ranking of the military i mean and and russian bloggers on telegram i mean they've been they've been on this for months and and the russian bloggers on telegram are actually your best source of russian information which is open not completely open but it's not like reading is vestia or something like that where it's like yeah what's the point nigel this is chris um question how many how many troops did progrosian have as he was making his way to Moscow, do we know? Because I, um, I understood so the, it. There's like fifty thousand total in the Wagner group. Yeah, but it wasn't that many. Yeah. it would be. Yeah, it would be under ten thousand. Yeah, so like, so, a, I, so, estimates would be five or six. The news but. accounts that I have seen said that it was a wide open um, way to Moscow. There was no yeah. obstructions. No, no, nothing. It, it could have been clean. Uh, a clear sailing all the way to the gates mm-hmm. of Moscow. Um, why did he back down? Like, what do you think Putin gave him? Um, because, uh, I mean, the, I mean, why? if you're going to kill the king, why not kill the king? So, if I could just answer the first, the, the, the wide open stretch to Moscow. I mean, again, it's amazing yeah. that they're they're moving on highways. Yeah. It's like here in Los Angeles, imagine, you know, the, the coup is going along the 405, all the cars have cleaned off and they're, you know, they're headed to the capital type of thing. So that is that is amazing. I think in terms of um, why it was open, I mean, this might be a Russian attitude. It's basically the only thing that counts is Moscow. and We don't really care what happens in the countryside because the Kremlin's the most important thing. So they would let him go to Moscow. And yeah. And then in Moscow, it would be a completely different, you know, mm. that they, the, that would change everything. In terms of what happened, so one of the things that might have happened, and again, I don't think anybody knows exactly what happened, is as he moved forward with his troops towards Moscow, was he getting more support? And this was being monitored. It was being monitored to see if, you know, there was, if the sentiment, like, you know, the trip takes hours upon hours mm-hmm. over that time span. Are, is he seeing or witnessing that members of the army are actually saying, okay, it's it's live. It's going. We now support Prigozhin, but I don't think that happened. So that was one of the reasons why why they turned back. So he and it's also he mis- he 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 grossly miscalculated his own popularity or his own ability to bring more people with him to march towards Moscow. In part, yes. And then the other part would be, I mean, he's not about, like a lot of the times it's like a coup overthrowing the government. Uh-huh. That's not really what he was after. He was he was basically get rid of Shoigu, get rid of Gerasimov, like get rid of these high-ranking military officials and the and the elite around them. It wasn't it wasn't televised as a coup. The risk was it might become a coup. The risk was, and that's what you heard in the in the news. I don't subscribe to that, but that there would be a civil war. That was the risk, because you see, you know, soldiers in a southern city walking around with guns, 
a friendly population around them, and this is not the regular Russian army. So that's worrying. An, anal- an analyst who's been on television quite a bit in the last week, uh, a woman has suggested that this was a false flag operation, and this was a conspiracy between uh, the, the forces uh, to make it look like uh, you know a coup, and it gave op- it gave an opportunity for Putin to look stronger in the end. Do you see anything about a false flag that you agree with? No, uh, no, because the, the at the very basic level, it, it just suggests chaos. It, it suggests chaos that you know nobody really knows what's going on. And and those images from Rostov on the Don are just—it's crazy to see local residents not you know not yelling at the the Wagner Group fighters, but basically having their photo taken with them and stuff like that. And so, no, the, the 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 chaos that it portrayed, I think, is is it's not a false flag. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have been an expert on this subject for a long time. Uh, how much communication do you have with uh, uh, friends or colleagues uh, in Russia at the moment? Well, that's gone down. Gone down. That that has gone so down because. You know, it, it's just the the atmosphere there. When you when you realize the the levels of persecution and arrest, so you know one has to be yeah. careful. Yeah, everybody's gonna everybody's gonna close up. We've got to pause. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. We're talking about what happened in Russia last week. If you have questions, give us a call. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke anime Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Matthew. Oh, oh, sorry. 
It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Bruce my back. We continue with uh, Nigel Rabb from Loyola Marymount University, who joins us from California. And uh, Dan Johnson had a question for you, as did uh, Chris. Dan, we'll let you go first. Thanks, Professor. Um, do you think that the may have been more of a mythology of the overwhelming strength of the Russian military and that this chaos helps break the perception that Russia can roll and get whatever it wants militarily? Yes. I mean, I think that's one of the, so, you know, when you look at what's happened in the, in the war, one thing is, you know, just the outcome of a military conflict, but the other one is perceptions of the Russian army and it has performed very badly and it's performed badly at a number of different levels. If you, if you remember way back more than a year ago now, when the column of tanks and and vehicles was basically stuck and it was like 30 kilometers long you know that's just a disaster that has not improved though that has not improved there are points in which they've adjusted their tactics and stuff like that but but it's not improved and i think it's really important this is obviously for the united states is watching this but china's watching this as well china Mm -hmm. is seeing this is an army that's not performing well and i think that message is 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 getting deeper and deeper for everybody so. Uh, Chris yeah. Moronis. Uh, Nigel, I've got another question. Um, I think it was uh, Masha Gessen with uh, New yeah. York Magazine, right? She's like a mm-hmm. Putin watcher. And she yeah, said... She's a Putin hater. I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and a Putin hater. She said something interesting. She said that in um, totalitarian regimes um, and, you know, whatever Putin has right now, like authoritarian or whatever, that when something this damaging, embarrassing happens where um, your power is called into question, does he really have his hand on the lever like we were led to believe? Um, and, you know, he's exposed to he may not be in power, that if if someone was going to take him out, it would have happened already, that, you know, it's, su- it's sudden death. These things come very quickly. Mm-hmm. It's not take a slow out burn. Putin. You mean take, take out, out Putin? Putin. Yeah. And so she mm-hmm. was saying... The hour of danger for Putin is likely over because he's still there. Do you agree with that? Well, I think this incident makes it more dangerous for him because part of being the authoritarian ruler or the totalitarian ruler is that, I mean, you need the military on your side. You need to be able to trust your military commanders. And it's not just the military. They're the other elite, the oligarchs, if you want to call them that, who sort of 
they're monitoring the situation so far economically things are actually for the oligarchs aren't, aren't going so badly but it's a it is a fragile situation and there's an election coming up there is an actual there is an actual election which i know it doesn't sound like an election but it's very different from somebody like stalin who was only elected from members of the communist party so it's a different so, dynamic. So no, I don't. I don't think the danger's passed. I think. So, so you, I think you, there's still dangers ahead. You think a coup is is possible? Well, can I follow up? Sure. So to teach us a little bit more, educate us about just how democratic elections in Russia are. Right. We know his opponents are in prison, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. but they are. They do have elections, and there are. There. Mm -hmm. are, my understanding is there are opponents in the legislature uh, that are duly elected and, and can say, you know, hey, I don't like your policies. So where can you help ex educate us a little bit more about just how where we are in the spectrum in Russia on, on democracy? Not very good. I mean, that's unfortunate. But what you said is correct in the sense that within the Duma, there are elected representatives and there have been elections in the past where Putin's party did not do so well. And, you know, these other groups have a voices, but there are two caveats. One is the, the United Russia always has a majority. Mm -hmm. Two is running a presidential election is different from running, I guess the same in the US, running your Congress election. And so Putin, for example, in those presidential elections does not debate. He's not affiliated with the party when he runs. Hmm. He runs like um, Vladimir and so that, you know, that throws things into question. Yeah, again, I mean, the elections have gone a bit downhill. And is, is the, the is, are the legislative elections and presidential elections on the same calendar? Uh, that's a good question. I'm pretty sure they are, but and I, can't remember, I can't remember exactly who's up for election in 2020. In the, in the deal that was uh, offered to Bogosian, uh, he goes to Belarus the president of Belarus is very close a supporter mm -hmm. of Vladimir Putin. Uh, that offer would not have happened if uh, the president of Belarus and, and Putin discussed it. Did you, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Or and, and and they might have discussed it earlier. You know, this might have not been exactly yesterday or something like that. There might have been some earlier discussion, which was something along the lines of, how do we deal with this guy? How do we neutralize this guy? We, not, not how do we neutralize the march on Moscow, but how do we just in general, because he's been a problem for the last six months. There's been, been a, going on. There's been a story this afternoon uh, that Pagosian uh, 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 has put uh, uh, metal cages on his windows in his mansion in Belarus. I would think that would probably be the first thing you'd want to worry about. And uh, a, a leading of a, actually a member of the of the U.S. military uh, was on television today, whose name escapes me at the moment, and he said he didn't believe that Pagosian uh, uh, would be around in, yeah. in thirty or sixty days. Yeah, uh, you agree with that? I think highly possible, highly possible. The only, um, the only thing that I don't think it's at this point, it's not much is that he does, you know, they, his, his Wagner group was the one to capture Bakhmut. They yeah. were the ones that essentially have been the most essential in fighting Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And so he does have a following amongst the soldiers 
and he he does follow the classic uh, Russian um, riser upper or upriser who basically is I'm of the people. I've seen front combat. I am with you on the lowest levels and yeah. rise with me. That type of thing. So he's got that appeal. Whether that will save his life in Belarus. I don't know. They well, might. Yeah, to, I don't know. To, to Bruce's point, um, and maybe Nigel could give us a little bit more detail on this, but since the invasion of Ukraine, there have been something like 15 to 20 oligarchs, academics, who have mysteriously been thrown out of windows, thrown downstairs, mm -hmm. um, their entire families executed, like in Spain. doesn't matter where they are. It's this incredible pattern, and who's to say that Prigozhin couldn't be next? I mean, th this has been out there in the news, uh, not not very widely, but um, people have crossed them. Some of these oligarchs questioning oh. out loud, why are we in Ukraine? Mm -hmm. Suddenly, they're gone. I, I agree with that, but I would just think Prigozhin is a little bit different, and because, I mean... There's uh, Polikovskaya, the journalist, who was, this is 2006, I think, like almost 20 years ago, who was executed in an elevator outside her apartment. And, and stuff like that has happened. Yeah. But that's an oppositional journalist. That's not someone who basically, Russia's a very militaristic society. This is not someone who won a battle, like a big battle for the country. Not to say Stalin didn't get rid of generals. He oh. did. But... It does have a little bit of difference. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying there's a little bit of difference here because Prigozhin does have a bit of a, a bit of an aura around him, even though the news today in Russia is basically, you know, doing what. Well, well, but didn't he agree that the, the Wagner Group would be assumed into the Russian military? Wasn't that part of the deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's gonna, and that's been going on. I mean, that the, the pressure for that has been going on for a long time. But we don't know yeah. whether the troops really want to buy into that. There, that, that may be a deal on paper, oh. but we don't, we don't know if those yeah. 50,000 troops uh, really want to turn their back on Prigozhin and uh, suddenly buddy up to uh, Potner. So, so the problem there is, because the, the Wagner group is not just a, we fight against Ukraine. Right. They're Wagner soldiers in Africa. Yeah. And so the question is, sort of, do these, I mean, there's, it's a mercenary group. Okay, I don't want to fight with the Russian army. I'm just going to go to Africa and do what I always did and fight for somebody there. But do you fight as a member of the Wagner group or do you join some other group? So they, you know, a lot of these soldiers are mercenary. They'll find, they will find another troop or battalion, if you will, when they, if, if they emigrate. Where so do, they, can, where, they can go to Syria. Where, where does the Wagner group get its money to operate? Well, they get a lot of it from the government. But it, this is one of the another. It's a very good question because when you see those photos in the Rostov on Don, they're on very serious military equipment. Yeah. I mean, this takes massive amounts of money. So part of that is funding through the Russian government. I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, any mercenary group will, you know, it's like in Africa. The African government, you know, pays the mercenary group for protection or whatever whatever it needs to be done. And that's how it gets its money. And in this case, it gets a lot of money from, from the Russian government. And that was one of the criticisms that Prigozhin was saying, we're just not getting enough weapons or anything from the Russian government. Do we know who is surrounding Prigozhin at the moment? I mean, he has to have some personal security that's literally yeah. right with him. 
Do we know anything about them? Mm-mm. Not that I know. And the and the person who was close to Putin, who Pogrosian wants to get rid of, um, how is this position enhanced or, or decreased? Because he seems to be a point guy that Pogrosian wants to get rid of him. Do we know if he's part of any deal that's been made? That he's going to get uh, that we knocked off soon? That we don't know. And that is, I think you're thinking talking about Shoigu, who yes. is the, the Minister of Defense. Mm-hmm. And he has, again, he hasn't been seen since this happened. He's made no public statement. Like, at least Putin gave a five-minute speech and something like that. But I so- want to talk more. We do have to break right now, Nigel. Uh, mm-hmm. When we come back, I want you to finish that point. And uh, I also want to talk about uh, the United States role. Back shortly from Chicago. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
Bruce Dumont back. We continue with Nigel Webb, uh, who joins us from Los Angeles, and also Dan Johnson and uh, Chris Veronis, who join us in the studio here in Elk Grove Village. Uh, Professor, a, a question to you. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the military leader very close to Putin, who is uh, ver- who is opposed by Bergosian. Bergosian thinks that he's he's an idiot. And he's made a lot of bad mistakes. You said before the break that we have not heard from him since, but uh, do you think that uh, because he seems to be a focal point of what Prigozhin wants, do you think his days in his leadership position, have they been increased or decreased uh, if Putin is looking over his all of his staff of military support? Does he say, hey, here's a guy we'll throw over the, over the side and maybe Prigozhin will, will be happy with that? So we're talking about Shoigu. Shoigu has been in the ministries, if you want to call it that, since the early 1990s. So he's mm-hmm. been there forever. And then he's been minister of defense for about 10 years. So the benefit for Putin with him, he's a known quantity. He's a trusted quantity. So the risk is if you get rid of him, who's going to take his place? Because this is a big job. Right. And I think one of the issues that they're dealing with now in the Kremlin is who, you know, who do we trust? Who can we put in that job that I trust? Because like we said, those images from Rostov on the Don, where you're seeing not only a military official, but a security service official chatting with Prigozhin. So that's a difficult deal. I would say with Shoigu, that is the next big indicator. We'll see what happens there. I, I, I think it's 50-50, but I, I just don't think there's enough people he can trust. So I don't think they'll get rid of him, but, Something, yes, yeah, something has to change. I also think what Shoigu has shown is he's not doing a very good job managing the war. So if you do keep him, you're still going to have ongoing problems with the military. Mm-hmm. That just They might just be internal. You won't see him. Is it, is it possible? I can't, you know, there, there's an old thing about, you know, keep your, keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. Uh, do you see any way that Prigozhin could work his way back into the inner circle of the Kremlin and become a key advisor to Putin or would Putin never buy something like that? In other words, get rid of the guy that, that Prigozhin ah. wants to get rid of and replace him with himself. He's pr- proposing that he, he himself gets in there. So he becomes the leader of the war effort and uh, maybe has the support of the Wagner group. Uh, but is that a way to maybe improve the, uh, the likelihood that the Russian army might be successful down the road. I, I, I have a hard time seeing Prigozhin within the bureaucracy because he has, I mean, he's like a typical, he's like your classic outsider. Okay. He's your classic, he's your classic sort of, and that's why he runs the Wagner group because it's, it's sort of inofficial. It's outside the, mm-hmm. the bureaucracy type of thing. And so I, I just can't see him in any formal bureaucratic position. And from Putin's, so, and that's from Prigozhin's perspective, from Putin's perspective, He's too much of a too much of a I guess a hothead for for Putin in in the bureaucracy, but also Putin knows him, and has benefited from him as an outsider. Like that is their relationship. So, mm-hmm. uh, if he uh, if someone knocked off Putin tonight, who would replace him? <laughs> well. That's the question. And I mean, I think that's, that's the question that, you know, people on the streets of Russia are asking. It's like, I mean, again, the crowds in Rostov on the Don, 
they're basically saying we want stability and what gives us stability it's having putin there you remove putin and it's it's probably been like this for 10 years or 15 years if you remove putin well then you might just see there's more than one wagner group pop up and you've got basically conflicting armies locally you know fighting each other or something like that so the alternative is worse that's the unfortunate situation the alternative is even is also worse if putin were to step down peacefully like who's going to replace him it's now, it's now, there's this brewing problem in the future now the white house has been very silent on this uh including the the secretary of state he says that they're monitoring the situation well i certainly would hope so but um usually in a situation like this Putin would try to blame the West or blame the United States specifically of being somehow involved in all of this uh, skullduggery that's going on uh, in Russia. And my question to you is, and again, we probably would never know this, but this clearly is in the, in the course of speculation. Um, is there a role or are there any fingerprints of activity by the Central Intelligence Agency in what's going on there? Are they... Uh, are they propping up anybody or are they just sitting with their hands folded on the sideline doing nothing? Well, I don't think they're doing nothing. They are getting information that flows in. But it's, it's really important with Prigozhin. So um, Prigozhin hates the West. He hates the West. He basically wants to defeat Ukraine. And if you think of all the anti-Western rhetoric that comes out of Moscow, Prigozhin's like fully on board with that. But he's, he wasn't fully on board with the, mil, the military officials in Moscow. So, I mean, he is very much anti-West. He very much wants to defeat Ukraine. Even like all those critical military bloggers that you can read on Telegram, they all despise the West. They call the Ukrainians Nazis. They have all that propagandistic rhetoric. So I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a, a significant fingerprint of the CIA in this, even though Yes, they have informers in Moscow and all that stuff. So, but there's no no significant fingerprint. What is, what is Vladimir Putin? Uh, I'm, I'm going to pull back on that. What is happening in Ukraine right now? Are they taking advantage of this situation, or are they waiting to see where the, uh, you know, where, where how things shake down? Well, I think they're um, in a propagandistic sense. They're taking advantage of this in a new sense, just pointing out. Like Zelensky, I think, you know, has done a very good job of globalizing the conflict and all his visits to all the other parliaments around the world. And, you know, he's put Ukraine on everybody's radar. And he's doing this by basically pointing out Ukraine is based, is fighting for democracy, believe that or not. And Russia is basically a force of chaos. And I really think that that message, China is absorbing that message they they're listening to this and when they're looking at russia they don't want to be allied with a chaotic partner they need a steady partner and so they're doing like that's the that's the i guess the news component of the ukrainian response and then the other part is the war i mean right now it's the counteroffensive, but the counteroffensive is going against you know very secure very very built up russian defensive positions and i don't think from everything that i've heard that the march on the march on Moscow made that that easier to break through. Like the, the, that army 
in its defensive positions is still that army in its defensive positions. Does does the Ukraine have the ability to create further physical chaos within Russia, within the within the Kremlin, you know, circle, if you will, uh, with sabotage or any other uh, extracurricular military activity that really puts again further pressure on Putin, either to crack down or uh, again, display to the Russian people that he may not be up to the job. I mean, in, well, I, internal in, internal military uh, sh- operations against Russia by the Ukraine, by Ukraine. I, I don't see that happening in Moscow. But, you, you know, there are bridges in the Crimean Peninsula that get blown up every once in a while. And there's also the small border towns and there, there has been reporting on that, small border towns in, on the Ukraine-Russian border on the Russian side that have actually been invaded by smaller troops. Some of these are, are Russian citizens fighting on the Ukrainian side, or they just launch salvos into these towns. They're being hit. But those are small little towns. They're not, I don't think they're significant in terms of the reporting for, for Putin's stability in, in Russia and stuff like that. The Russians can absorb that. Dan Johnson has a question for you. Bigger, bigger question might take you longer than you've got before the break. But Well, ask the question and we'll let the, Perfect. the professor have three minutes to think about it. You know, it. the last 30 years, Russia used to be, with Gorbachev, a lot more open, a lot more Western-oriented, and the turn against the rule of law and peace and prosperity has been dramatic and harsh. Why did that happen? But maybe more importantly, how do we get, what is the path for Russia to turn back towards stability and the rule of law and uh, not political repression? How, how does that happen? Can it happen? Well, it will happen. <laughs> but, but it's like, it's like you need a new perestroika. You need a new Gorbachev. And I thought for me personally, one of the most significant events and last year 2022 forgive me if i confuse years after covid but (laughs) gorbachev passed away Mm -hmm. gorbachev was an extremely significant soviet leader and yes he was leader in a time of turmoil some liked him some did not but putin did not go to his funeral putin did not have the grace to go to his funeral and say Russian leader, Russian leader, I go to the funeral. If you, you know, if you think of American funerals, all these highly, you know, highly opposed presidents showing up at these, showing up at these funerals from different political parties and whatnot. None of that. So what happened? That is a very, very big, big, that, that's such a big question. Uh, In the future, there has to be some type of reckoning because either Putin is there till he's 85 and when he's 85 it's you, you know it's going to be chaos because you haven't had a, a different you've had the same ruler for 45 years or you know there's just going to be chaos in between and he's taken out type of thing so. okay we've got a pause one more segment coming up 1-800-723-8029 callers on the line we will bring them into the conversation when we roll on from Elk Grove Village Illinois At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. 
It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hergaris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one -on -one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We continue on Beyond the Belkley. I'm Bruce Fumont, and let's go to David, who's listening and watching us in San Francisco. Go ahead, you're on the air. Oh, thanks, Bruce, and your guest. Uh, about 125 years ago, Joseph Conrad wrote a book called Heart of Darkness about a guy, uh, King, uh, who was it, the Belgian King? Uh, Leopold? Leopold? Yeah, and he, uh, uh, King Leopold, captured a huge amount of land in Africa. If I understand right, there were about 15 million people on there. He did not provide laws for them. Uh, the laws of Belgium did not apply to the uh, to the uh, Belgian Congo, and he considered everybody on his on that land his property, and so he started cutting off hands and and uh, killing them if they didn't provide uh, work 
basically slaves. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire describes how the rich uh, had basically become so paranoid uh, that they basically created uh, a pack of mercenaries, uh, and then they didn't pay the mercenaries. And so uh, the uh, mercenaries decided to come back and, and uh, get, uh, get their reward, and they ended up sacking Rome. Okay. Now, if you bring it, bring it to a question, David. Bring it to a question, please. Right. Yeah. So you think about Russia today. It's not a communist country, and it's not a democracy. It's a uh, a pack of oligarchs who are super rich guys who don't care about the people. And this uh, this uh, uh, you know the attempted coup is uh, basically that guy was getting soldiers from the prisons of Russia. Mm-hmm. He was ma- he taking slaves right. basically from the p- the prisons of Russia and getting them killed. And the people of Russia had no no desire to join the army and take part in this attack on Ukraine. So I'm just raising the issue of the corporate state. That they, there is no social contract in Russia. There was no social contract in the Belgian Congo. And at the end of Rome, there was no social contract where the people had a right to speak up and get uh, get something for their taxes. This, let's is, let, this let's is an let, issue of... Let's let the yeah, this, Professor uh, uh, Nigel Wade uh, respond. Rob, rather. Go ahead. Nigel? Well, I, I mean, Russia, um, Russia does have a social contract. It's just a very different one than what we would expect. I mean, it's not in terms of when you when you think of like Prigozhin, and it wasn't a coup d'état. He was basically against the military. The military, like Shoigu, he's he's been like I said earlier, he's been there forever. He's essentially been there forever in this in this ministerial system. He's not he's not a wealthy guy in the sense that he owned a company or something like that. He's accumulated wealth absolutely over the years, but he's not. Uh, He's not like a like um, Abramovich or something like that, mm. who who owned Chelsea, who basically got the the Siberian oil oil wealth. That's a very different type of very different type of wealth. And so you know the the the, the Russian government has actually done stuff. I mean now it's all going downhill, but it has actually done stuff to satisfy the needs of people. And that's why I've, I hate to bring it up again when you're looking at the photographs from Rostov on the Don, it, there's no uprising from the people. They're out there with their cell phones and they probably have really nice cell phones taking photographs of the soldiers on a summer night having an ice cream before they go to watch a movie and which is the, what's completely surreal about the war because in many russian places it, it's as if the war is not going on mm-hmm. what we yeah. have a couple of minutes left i want to come back for those that have tuned into the pro- broadcast late tonight i want to summarize your original point and let me re-ask the question uh, why, in your opinion, did Prigozhin stop the march towards Moscow? Oh, because he didn't. He realized he didn't have enough support to actually make this a success. And again, he's on Russia's side. He's like, he is pro-war against Ukraine, and so he wants the war to succeed. And so something in him was saying, "This is this is even more detrimental." than my demand to get rid of Shoigu and maybe I could negotiate something without bloody conflict between Russians that would still allow me to, you know, get rid of Shoigu. Yeah, he said he didn't want any Russian bloodshed. Yeah. He, he, he wanted to march towards the Kremlin 
without any uh, uh, any uh, resistance by anyone uh, in the Kremlin. And I guess he uh, realized at some point that was not likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though he like he was on the open road for a while, he could have gotten closer to Moscow. But at some point, and and again, you know, you're judging the 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 willingness of the Russian army to send out its air force. I mean, like at some point there's going to be a command and it's like, okay, go. Is there, is there something the United States, Nigel, is there something that the president and the United States should be saying or doing right now concerning this issue or should they just keep their mouth shut? I I think they should keep their, I mean, it's a, it was a domestic issue in Russia that part of it. I mean, I know there's the the international issue with Ukraine. So I wouldn't, if I were the administration, I wouldn't get distracted by the domestic issues in Russia, even though, as everybody points out, Russia has nukes and the United States has to be aware of instability in Russia. That they, I mean, inside the administration, they need to be reporting to each other about the, the level of instability and then continue. And I guess that's a question, you know, between Republicans and Democrats, continue to support the war However, you know, those but administrations if, really believe the war. But if, if Putin if Putin thought that he could please Pergosian and, and end the war in the Ukraine, would he not think more than just twice about using nuclear weapons? Is that a way is that a win win situation for uh, for Putin? Yeah, I haven't. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead Great, Chris. Go ahead. Nigel. Oh, no, I would say, you know, one of the things about the nukes is it's more just if Russia becomes unstable, then basically everybody's going to say what's going to happen to the nukes. And today with Putin, they haven't really talked about nukes that much, even though the delivery for nuclear warheads, I don't know the exact type of missile, to Belarus is scheduled for July. So there's that type of pressure. One one quick bullet question, uh, Nigel. Uh, Next 30 days is... Putin still president. Yes. Yes. Okay. In the next three days. Okay. So next Sunday night, he'll still be president. Uh, Matt, no, Nigel Wade. Uh, nice, Nigel Wade. <laughs> Nigel Rabb, thank you very much for joining us uh, from Loyola Marymount University, our Russia expert, and also uh, Dan Johnson and Chris Veronis. We thank them very much. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks to Fritz Coleman for his assistance in the production of this program from Chicago. This is Bruce Dumont. Good night, everybody. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. 
Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.